0: I sang those songs like I usually do on a Sunday, very personally, I was thinking about um, the most personal part of what probably any of us can pray about is our own hearts. But we're saying, Lord, um, I need you to do something in me. And it's deep enough to where I know, instinctively I know, it can't happen any other way except through you. So I loved how we started the morning. We clap, we have a great time, and it, it really does um, draw us in. And then we find ourselves faced with ourselves. And we, we say, Lord, there's something I need you to do deep within. We just sang it. And aren't you glad we sang the song just before that about a God who is great? Great are you, Lord. So great are you that Deuteronomy 8 says, you don't, I don't breathe without the next breath gifted to us by God. <laughs> Whoa. That goes as far as you can go, doesn't it? But thank you, Krista, for calling attention to uh, where we live and when we live, because this is a hard time in our world. And it struck me that Judges is in the Bible for a moment like this. Do you realize there was 325 years of the Judges? And there were like 10 different periods, seven or eight different Judges and you would ask, if you don't know that story at all, and I hope I'm enticing you, you would ask, why so many? Because they had to go through it again, and again, and again. What's that, you say? Well, they, their life came together, and they got on a roll. <clears throat> Things were going well. And then they did what is humanly instinctive. They took their eyes off the one that gave all that. And they started to wander and drift and then sure enough things just broke out into all out bad. And they and it got so bad they finally gave up. You know, you remember Uncle I give, I give, you know. And they did. They cried out to God and he sent them a judge or a deliverer is a better word. And that deliverer showed up and said, "Okay, Let's, let's do some damage to your enemies, the ones that are afflicting you right now. And because God is merciful, let's restore you to this intimate place of walking with him. And then, sadly, I have to say, because the text tells us, repeat. They did it again. They wandered, and so, so the pattern goes. My hope is that we can break that pattern as people. Many of you are choosing deliberately to do that. I want to lead us in prayer right now that you're thinking of somebody that is way off and way out. Maybe this is the time to whisper their name before Jesus Christ, who takes your request before the throne of God and see what God wants to do, shall we? And bring them home because he is a great God and he works in, in the place no one else can really work is the heart. So God, we come to you right now as a people who are in this moment. I thought of all the things that are in that song, Great Are You, Lord, the things that I want you are light, you are love, you are healing, you are grace, you are a hope, you're forgiveness, you're everything. And none of those things can be ginned up. We can't cook them up because eventually they just, they look man-made. And we don't, we want something bigger than that. We want you. And I pray for people that are in this room or joining in our live stream in various other rooms that are saying, you know, that this is resonating with me. I'm not quite where I should be. Or maybe I'm way away from the place of life and joy and peace. So God, as we get quiet for, for a moment further, we ask that your Holy Spirit would hear the collective prayers and individual prayers of everybody talking to you right now. That you would work in their hearts. And that you would bring them home. And in doing so, draw them close to you because you are that great Lord we just sang about. And we'll leave the results to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, that's kind of my sermon. (laughs) And it wasn't anything I prepared or planned, but um, hey, kids, have a great time. We'll see you uh, soon. And um, let me... uh, Let me welcome in all the rest of you. Um, It is good to be together every week, and today's kind of special and quite personal for me. And this afternoon, we will gather again um, and celebrate a man that touched many of our lives. And and I'm referring to my dad, who is now home with Jesus and face-to-face with the Lord he loves. And we're going to gather here at 2 o'clock, as you know, many of you... Uh, we'll be here for that. Uh, I've been asked uh, a whole bunch, how you doing? And, and um, you know what? I, uh, I have to just answer it this way. We miss Dad. I miss Dad. And I miss looking over, and we always had another chair set there. And I would finish preaching, and he, I would sit next to, to him. And um, even if I bombed. Which it happens, okay? And uh, no one knows it more than the preacher. The rest of you are just too good-hearted to tell me. That stunk, man. That was a stinker. You put me to sleep. It's on you, you know, kind of thing. Well, my dad would just never have it. He would just tell me that was the that was the best bomb I've ever been (laughs) ever been around. No, it it really, uh, we miss him, but I I want you to know something. We believe in the resurrection. And because of what Jesus Christ did, and we're going to share communion to remember it again today, (laughs) there is a reunion ahead. It's promised to all people who've surrendered to Jesus. It's got to go both ways. If you're the one that left, surrendered to Jesus, and he did then those of us that want to hang out again um, and hear him laugh and watch him eat cookies again uh, it's got to be true of you too and that's it's true of me it's true of debbie it's true of many of my family so anyway uh thank you thank you for uh letting me share that with you it's of course very real and personal so um i want to um i was offered several times by different people who love me. Uh, hey, I'm happy to fill the pulpit today. I know this afternoon I will be officiating at my father's memorial, and um, I I could I wouldn't have it any other way. I just there it is, and but I'm grateful for them. I'm not calling their names out, but they 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 really wanted to help, and um, and I thought hopefully in a moment you're going to see why I wanted to preach. And if it's a bomb don't tell me, okay? <laughs> just, just don't tell me, all right? So, okay, I've, uh, let's start this discussion, our conversation this morning with the word of God open. If you're finding your way around, Matthew chapter 6, I'd like you to locate that. We'll end up there. But we're going to get there for uh, through a number of other means and passages that will travel uh, uh, that we will travel and they will take us to that spot. But I want to begin this morning this We call it a discussion, that's not really correct, because I do all the talking and you do all the listening, but um, think of it as a uh, conversation over coffee, which I would prefer in many ways in most sermons, but a discussion kind of starts with a question, a good one anyway. So here's my question. Everyone, by the way, gets to participate and everyone has an answer. So if you're reaching for your sermon note page, it's blank right now, but I hope it's not when we're done, okay? So here's the question. How do you make important decisions? I'm going to give you some options, okay, because I guessed what you might answer because they're similar to my answers, but, you know, how do you make important decisions? First, what's an important decision? Okay, let's just put it out there. Starbucks, Dutch Brothers, or Pete's? <laughs> what will it be, okay? Okay. Uh, okay, I'm messing with you. I'm messing. Let's get really serious about really important questions. I, I think probably the, the most important question that I can come up with that takes me back quite a few years would be, which college do I go to? If you're college bound, we got seniors among us that just graduated, uh, several from our ministry here. And They've probably already settled that, but if you were to interview them, they'd go, that's a biggie. I didn't know where. Is it scholarships? Is it price? Is it near home? Is it far away from home? You know, what is it? Okay, so that's a big decision. And then I followed my own path to the, aside from Jesus, the biggest decision of all in my entire life, the woman I married. Um, that's not a part-time thing or a short-term prospect. We've been married 40 years and we're just getting revved up, right? So this is cool. And it's, you get it? Four four decades, that's a long time. So it's a big decision. That's my point. Okay. And then you could kind of track with that. And and maybe for us, we lived in an apartment because it was a one bedroom apartment that just, you know, all we could afford. But then eventually you gather some cash and save a bunch and you find your question ahead is where do we live? Do we live in this neighborhood or that neighborhood or this city or that country or this state and on and on the de- These are big decisions. Okay, so maybe you're writing your answer down already, but let me give you some possibilities as a way of uh, kind of reference. How do you make big decisions, important decisions? Maybe, maybe yours has always been go ask your dad or go ask your mom. You know, seek the advice of a parent. And along that same line, seek the advice maybe of a trusted friend. I get a lot of calls because people are seeking the advice, advice of a pastor in an important decision. Should we? Shouldn't we? And so on and so forth. Maybe that's on your list. Here's another one that may be on your list. What am I doing? Flip, I'm slapping my hand. No, I'm uh, flipping a coin, right? Heads, I go, tails, I don't. Um, maybe it's that. Or you roll a dice. I've, a uh, confession, I thought, what a cool thing. I wish I understood this idea of uh, casting lots or some method that was used in the Bible. But, you know, I'm not sure. I, I actually, one of a very respected friend of mine calls it a form of throwing dice and he means it very reverently i don't know maybe that's your approach i'm not uh, up or down on that i'm i don't practice that here's one pray maybe you pray and in prayer sometimes we find our way to this everybody looking right here this is communion so i'm not going to do anything weird but let's say you needed god's decision about something important and <clears throat> And this had a cloth over it. It usually does. Today it doesn't. That's okay. So it has a cloth over it. And you, in your prayers, say, you know what, God? I am going to pray that this cloth is wet. And everything around it is dry. And then it happens, let's say. And then the next day you think, ah, I got to flip it. And you say, okay, now I'm going to pray that this cloth, new cloth, is dry Everything around it is wet, okay? So you could go either way. Wet cloth, dry surroundings, dry cloth, wet surroundings. It's called a, a fleece. Go to, go to uh, Judges and chapter 6 is Gideon, and you'll read how he did the very thing I just said. That's how he made a big decision. Um, here's one. Maybe for you, it's just like, okay, college, I'll pick that one, meaning not a lot of thought at all. You just pick it and live with the consequences. Maybe you did that with marriage. I mean, some people, I don't know. Um, And then there's, related to that, um, you go with your guts. You know that feeling where you just, you have this ill feeling it's not a burrito or some, you know, spicy food. It's just you go, I don't feel good about this. And you back away from that decision you're considering. Am I hitting on you yet? Am I, am, the, the thing that, you're, that, that guides you, you go with your guts. Here's one last one I had, just impulse. You don't, you don't pull away from it at all. It's kind of similar to not a lot of thought. But some of you would say, no, my impulse is actually driven by something. It's instinct. I'm a smart guy. I'm a wise woman. I know what I'm doing. I've been around the block. Maybe. So that leads to my question, number two. Have you ever fasted for the purpose of focusing completely on God's will as you face one of those important decisions. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And if you have done that, was it, did you fast for a long time? You know, um, I don't know, you, uh, a day? Several days? We'll read about longer ones than that. And maybe I'd, I'd love you to talk to somebody today. We don't have time right now, but talk to somebody about, did, did you fast? Yeah, I did. How long was it? And what was the outcome? What decision did you make and, and, and how did it turn out? That'd be a, 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 a very helpful conversation. So if you've never fasted or wondered about the value of fasting, that's our plan this morning. We're just going to talk about it, the, you know, what is it, why is it, how, and uh, And then we'll share communion and go home, okay? So um, uh, we're going to take a biblical look at the practice because I I got nothing if it's not the Bible when it comes to important spiritual practices. This is not a weird thing, and I don't plan to make it weird by the way I treat it, okay? So I just want to go like straight and straightforward on it. So as we do, I want you to remember, and I'll remind us every week in this summer series that started recently, we're going to fast, if that's the outcome of this message, and it's my intent that that is, that we'll leave the results to God, okay? Otherwise, we overreach. We talked about that last time. So we fast and leave the results to God. So I want to begin with an admission. Um, if most of you us don't regularly fast, which is my, don't, don't yell out at me right now and say, that's not true. Let me say it again. Since most of us don't regularly fast, it's my assumption and my confession. Okay? We're in this together. I don't know a lot of people that have put their arm around me or come into my office and sat down. Let me tell you about a fast that I've been in and, and uh, something that's going on. I don't have a lot of those conversations. So I think my assumption is that it's not a real regular practice by not just me, by people that I love. And I try to square that with the Bible that says, hmm, it seems to be a bigger deal. Here than in here. So that's, that's kind of breaking down the pathway I took today to get us to this conversation. So So why fast? Let's, let's go there first. Um, no, no sense in talking about the how to's and um, you know, do's and don'ts and so on without why. Why fast? Here's some, I just called this, I pulled this takeaways that I observed in both people and principles in the Bible. Okay, so this will move quick, but it'll, it'll be helpful for you um, to pull it in. And all of these people and their practices with regard to fasting were actually, you could say, it was good and profitable. So you could say what they did after they did it, that was good and it was profitable. Okay? So here's the first reason. Write this down. It's really good. Fasting is done for the cleansing, we just sang about this, and the purifying of my heart, of your heart. Fasting is done for the the cleansing and the purifying of our hearts. I have a truck that needs an oil change. Okay? Okay. Now I'm going to go get that oil change. Nothing wrong with the truck, but I'm going to get it done because the miles and the time uh, have ticked away, and it's time to do it. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it for this reason. I want it's a Chevy, and I want it to be the most reliable, dependable truck on the road today, as the ad says. Okay? So I'm committed to that. Here's another. Um, uh, by the way, I could ignore it, do nothing. About that, someday it will not be reliable, nor will it be dependable. So I do that, even if I don't necessarily have my eyes inside the engine and how it's running. Okay, you see my logic. Here's another one that might you might relate to: um, dust. I don't like dust. Um, I have a Swiffer in my office sometimes I'll be studying my. Bible and preparing a message. And I'll look and somehow the afternoon sun hits my desk and I'm like, oh, no wonder I'm sneezing. This is terrible. And I whip out the sniffer and, and do a once over. If you walked in like that, you're like, oh, you know, taking a break. And I'm like, yeah, i want to keep from dying. Uh, okay. It's... So I don't like dust. And, and yet dust, here's the deal. Dust happens, right? How many of you love dusting? Uh, If I see one hand, I'm inviting you to my office weekly. (laughs) George, you're the guy. Okay, so um, uh, let me switch the meaning of the word dust from this to this. And I don't want it to do that, but we're going to call dust for a minute. We're going to give it a different label. Sin. Don't want to sin. I'm not leaving here today going, I plan to blow it today. Neither do you. But it but it happens and 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 they come in the form of sinful behaviors and sinful attitudes. And 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 so I need help, and I want you to follow this thought now. In most cases, I need a deep cleansing. Because if you asked me right after I sinned, and it wasn't a big sin, we can talk about if there's big and little later. But if we had a conversation, i go, no, no, I'm, I'm on a pretty good roll. I'm not, you know, blowing it. I'm not having fallen apart. I'm, you know, I'm not sinning that much, you know. Um... And, uh, and, and you might be uh, inclined to go, wow, you know, I, that's not my experience. Um, but the truth is, I need a deep cleansing from time to time. And to do that, I need help. Holy Spirit help when it comes to the cleansing of my heart. Purify my heart is a great song. It's a powerful prayer when we pray it. It's why so often we will stop what we're doing and say in worship, let's make sure that's not just a cool melody. Let's, let's make sure that's a, a reality inside our souls. Okay, so we need the Holy Spirit's help and fasting is a tool that the Bible points to as a very useful tool needed find these places where sin exists this dust has settled inside our lives you with me I think you are i can see it the look the lights are coming on so think of king david as a quick example he he did he did that when he prayed that famous prayer in psalm 51 verse 10 create in me a clean heart o god Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not remove me from your presence. Do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to to me the joy of thy salvation, and then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to to thee. But with all of that, you and I remember, create in me a clean heart. Why do we remember that? And why would he pray that? Because his heart was dusty, dirty, and he needed a deep cleansing. Specifically, he wrote those words right after he committed, broke two of the Ten Commandments. Adultery and murder to cover his tracks. It's a pretty bad day for David. Right? It's really bad. Hopefully you can go a whole lifetime with neither of those. There's plenty of other commands we break. But David prayed that. And... And he was actually, uh, his sin was revealed. It was all out in the open. 2 Samuel 12, Nathan had the unenviable job of saying, hey, you got a problem. Your sin, there's dusty stuff inside your soul. You need to, and then David did. But it was so deep, follow me now, that David later, in, much later in his life, He was the author of Psalm 139, 23, and 24, which is a very probing way to put it. He says, search me, O God. Same guy. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts that are within me and see if there's any dust still there. See if there's any offensive way in me. And if you find it, Lord, he finishes and lead, lead me in the everlasting way. In other words, clean up the mess I've caused. Amen? I like that image. And fasting is a very helpful part of that. You say, well, Steve, that's kind of making it more complicated. Isn't it just saying no to food? Now what we do? Well, to some extent, we'll get there in just a sec. But here's the other reality there. Um, Sometimes we need help, Holy Spirit help. Because the sin is deep within what? The heart. And we look to Jeremiah, who was a prophet, who had famous words in describing Steve McCracken's heart and your heart and every human's heart. You ready for these words, Jeremiah 17? It's not a happy read. Verse 9. The heart... I tend to go, yeah, those guys in the news, they're behind bars. Really? If If you break one law, little law, doesn't matter, big law, you're a lawbreaker, James says. So the heart, Jeremiah says, is deceitful above all else. He even asked the next question, how can you understand it? How can you possibly take a look inside, comma, without help, question mark? And he answers that by saying, I, speaking of God, he's quoting God here, I, the Lord, search all hearts. (laughs) And I examine everything about that heart So God knows it all, and we need his help, and fasting helps us with that. So cleansing of our hearts, good reason why we fast. Here's the second reason, okay? As my opening question points us to, fasting, write this down, is done for decision-making. If it's not on the list that I came up with earlier and suggested, it needs to be. I plan for it to be in my life more frequently. I have big and little decisions like you do. But I want them to be deeper um, than just me kind of using, and quite honestly, if you want my answer, my impulse is I've been walking with God a long time. I'll just go, I'll make a decision that's wise. But I need deeper than that. And I, I suspect most of us would do better if that's where we landed on this. When it comes to decision making, most of us know the confusion that accompanies, especially a big decision. You know what FOMO means today in today's parlance? Somebody yell it out. Fear of missing out. Of missing out okay, it totally applies to big decisions. Because you think there's let's say it's uh, door number one, two, and three. That's le- let's make a deal. Remember, okay. And you're like, well, it could be great, could be sort of great, could be awful. Problem is you don't know which door. There's a curtain, actually, in most cases. So you're like, what do I do? And the fear of missing out is if I choose door number one and it's really door number three that's the good one or the best one, and I am hosed. And the fear of that keeps me going well uh uh mm, ask me tomorrow we have this fear that 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 can become a panic i've talked with people i'm like wow you're wound up what's going on and it's like they're freaked out is the truth what if i blow it what if i'm supposed to Marry this person, and I end up marrying this person, then I am, my every next decision is wrecked forever and ever. Amen. Let's go home. Now that's, ex- that's, but that's some of this panic kind of thing. We quiver with the possibility we could make a wrong choice. So no wonder we need help. We need help that comes with fasting. Um, by the way, it's not, this is not brand new need. People want to make that a modern thing. It's just a catchy way to remember it. This, is, this has been a perplexity that has existed forever. Back to David. David said in Psalm 32, another Psalm he wrote, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Why did God make sure David put that in print? Because King David's judgment was colored by that bad day we talked about earlier. So, no wonder he wondered if his divine decision-making was skewed. And you and I should wonder the same about our lives. When we have known sin in our lives, we haven't brought it out to the light and confessed it and he's faithful and just to forgive it, 1 John 1, 9 says and to cleanse it out of us completely when we don't do that and we keep operating and making big decisions uh, likely, actually quite possible that divine guidance isn't playing a role in this at all okay So we too, after confessing and repenting of our sin, we can count on God's guidance and fasting helps, okay? You with me? Here's a third one, okay, that people um, uh, face um, and it's a reason to fast, okay? Here it is. I'd I'd state it this way. I'll give it to you in one word, trouble trouble. Let me put it in a sentence. Fasting is done to seek protection and deliverance when we face trouble. It's done in the Bible all over the place. It's done for national reasons and it's done for personal reasons. Let me give you a couple of quick examples just passing on by. First is King Jehoshaphat. It's a cool name. I had to bring him up, right? But he's minding his own business, doing a pretty good job as king of the south. He's a southern kingdom king, which would put him in Judah. And he's, he's on a roll. Things are going good. Then suddenly he gets word that there is an, there's an approaching enemy, a menacing enemy from the east. And understandably, he's alarmed. Jehoshaphat is. So in... Second Chronicles chapter 20, he finds out after uh, his, his um, uh, reconnaissance that there's a, it's big, it's not a little army, it's a big Eastern army coming at you. And um, his alarm, which was the initial response, led to a fast and the hope of a deliverance. These are his words. Alarm, Jehoshaphat! Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And so he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. What a cool move. It's more than strategic. It's survival. I'm sure he would say, well, I wasn't trying to get points here. I was just trying to live to see another day. We're outgunned and they're going to get us. And I declare a fast for all Judah. And then it's not done. The people of Judah then came together to seek the help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to fast before the Lord. Wow. Wow. You can hear the urgency when you read those words. So if we're convinced that these are good reasons for why we should fast... Hopefully that's happened in telling you them. Before we look at the, just real quick, at the clear teaching of Jesus um, about how to fast. I want to answer the what question. Okay? What is fasting? Let's not just assume everybody knows it since most of us don't practice it. Okay? In most cases, it's the abstinence of food. We give up food for a period of time, and we do so for a time to focus on God. That's kind of the what. What is fasting? Dr. Charles Stanley does some great things. He's with the Lord, too, recently turned for home. Um, I'm quoting his words. The goal of fasting, the goal of prayer and fasting, they go together, is to bring our natural physical desires, food, under control, the control of the holy spirit for the pure purpose of hearing from god when we refrain from regular activities that distract us doesn't make them bad eating's kind of cool <laughs> when we refrain from them though we're in a better position to discern what the lord is saying he adds it sharpens our minds and increases our spiritual perception where we a few more, more often than normal, will go. Oh, wow! I didn't see that. Didn't think that. Didn't didn't hear that. Uh, prior to that moment and fast. In essence, he concludes, we're acknowledging that food is not as important as hearing from God. Isn't that great? End quote. Um. I, I can just say their names, and it'll bring up a lot of memory if you know any, any part of your Bible, but let me mention uh, some that some of the people that stand out for fasting and how they did it, and, um, and the first one that comes to mind is Moses. It's not just a New Testament thing, by the way, so you know that from my mention of Moses. So Moses is called to Mount Sinai, and... He's called there alone and a cloud comes over the mountain and it starts to shake and tremble and all kinds of scary things. And God says, come on up here. And he fasted, we're told, 40 days. Because as a result of that meeting with God, he left that mountain with the Ten Commandments. Right? Very good idea. Very good plan on his part. Here's one maybe you haven't thought of. Queen Esther. She has a book in the Old Testament that's named after her. And and Queen Esther is is known to to have asked the Jews to fast for her. And the reason is given in the telling of her story. Because she's got to go talk to King Xerxes. Spell that and you get first coffee. Uh, But Xerxes, and, and it's illegal to do that can't just make an appointment with the king. And she knows she needs to go talk to the king about a plot to kill the Jews from a really bad guy named Haman. And God puts it on Esther's heart that she's got a job to do and it scared her to the core for good cause. And instead of running from it, she called on all the Jews to pray. And then I love how she finished it. Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, day and night. I and my attendants will fast as well. And when this is done, I will, the scariest thing she could do, go to the king. And she concludes it with, and if I perish, I perish. And I promise you, she said it with a smile on her face. Because fasting had changed something in her. If I perish, okay. God is on his throne. He called me to this. He's got reasons for why I died. She didn't die, by the way. Great victory there. And I couldn't complete a list like that without mentioning, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Remember right after he has this glorious time of, um, of baptism. And there's this incredible voice. It's the Trinity, the first appearance in the New Testament that's just graphic. It's, it's, You've got to take notes. He comes up out of the water, Jesus, a member of the Trinity. And at that moment, he hears this voice, This is my son. Listen to him. I'm super proud of him, came the voice. And everybody there at the Jordan went, Whoa! and before it was done the Holy Spirit descended like a dove three members of the Trinity right there in front of humankind to watch on the heels of that glorious moment you know what the Bible says happened at the very next verse it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and for 40 days he fasted and then went toe to toe with the devil. That's when Jesus said, "You know what? I'm not. I need. I. I want that kind of covering." You and I could go on and on, but I want to. I want to quickly get to Jesus' words in Matthew. So this is a sermon. I jump forward. It's going to tell you about acts, and there's really cool decisions, important decisions on, okay, will this missionary go to that country, or will they go alone or with somebody? And those decisions are made by the leaders through fasting. So my point is trying to help you see clear back in Exodus and all the way to the acts of the apostles. There's fasting going on for really important reasons. There should be fasting going on in our lives for important reasons. So here we are at the beginning point, actually middle point of this three-chapter sermon, and only three verses. Okay? So you could either say that was the longest introduction ever, ever, or you could say, no, that's helpful information to what Jesus had to say about fasting, and specifically how to fast. Verse 16. By the way, this is in the context of a couple of other things that we know a lot about in the Bible. One is giving, one is praying, and one is fasting. Okay, they're all in the same chapter here. Verse 16 begins When you fast, Jesus says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others. I'm fasting. Man, what's in, What's gotten into you today, oh, dude? I'm fasting. So hungry. <laughs> Truly, I tell you, when they do that, they've received the reward in full. But here's the transition: when you fast, put oil on your head. It's not dump it on your head, so everybody's going, "Man, you got greasy hair. What's up with you?" No, it's a reverent posture of seeking God. Put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want you to see two words. Uh, When you, verse 2, look at verse 2. When you, do you see how it starts? He's talking about giving. Verse 5, when you, he's talking about praying. And verse 16, when you, he's talking here about fasting. It's assumed by Jesus, there's a takeaway right here, that you and I will do those things. I don't know how much you give or don't give, but my assumption is you understand it's God's priority for you because it's all his anyway. And so we give and we kind of roll forward. Okay, we give. That's what we do. We tithe. We weekly give gifts to God and that's what we do. And no one needs another uh, sermon on prayer because that's what we do. We did it this morning. We'll keep doing it, right? So he's assuming the same about fasting. When you. Notice he doesn't change it to, hey, and by the way, if you fast, you want to take your game way up if you fast. No, he's saying this should be part of how you live and walk. Man, this, this changes some categories here. Clearly his focus was on, in this three verses, it's on things like the spirit and the attitude. Of the one fasting, a significant contrast. Some of the people, then he calls them hypocrites. He really goes into detail in chapter twenty-three of Matthew. Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, and he calls them out again, and saying, "You guys, this is all about show. I mean, where's your heart? It it, it was phony." It was showy. It was, can I just say it? Empty. Y'all wasting your time if that's your approach. Mm. So the priorities he gives um, and calls attention to uh, are important. First, fast with a sincere heart. That needs to be in your approach to what might be ahead as as uh, next Saturday our church has a day of fasting the church the, the Grace Point Worship Center will be open from 11.30 to 3.30 and uh, on your way out you can get a how to fast, how to use your, your time fasting or de- declare to fast some ideas on what to pray and what to seek God about. Some of them will be national or corporate some of them will be for our city some of them will be for for direction in your life. That's good. All of those things are important. We've established that today, right? So, uh, this coming Saturday, don't miss out on something like that. It's, uh, it's a great thing. And Claire Luzon, she'll be around. She's uh, really helped kind of uh, move us forward in this really important, somewhat forgotten priority. So, thank you, Claire. It uh, means a lot. So, fast with a sincere heart. The contrast here is, People look at outwards appearances. So the gloomy face, Jesus says, get rid of it. God sees the secret place, not the gloomy face. Um, Secondly, fast with a focus on an audience of one. Jesus. One person. Notice who it is, Jesus says, that sees and will reward you for fasting. It's not the people you tell it to. It's not the people you're trying to impress with your piety. It is your Father in heaven. He is the one that sees and He will reward you. Finally, fasting is for seeking God and not to be seen. Um, So, um, we're going to have communion now. And As we prepare to share communion, that's that's the message. Um, uh, Here's an obvious point when it comes to the purpose of fasting. And in fact, you won't see it in these verses, but I want to zoom out and make a statement. So you can actually close your Bible now, even tuck in your notes. But when we fast the Jesus way, because that's what we just read about, what we're doing is we're pulling back from the world. We're just taking a kind of a safety step away from the world. And we're saying, you know, this, the rest of this stuff, even food, we're going to just pull back and focus on God and God alone. And well, what I just said is for your good, for my good, and for his glory. When we fast the Jesus way, Don't be surprised if you're reminded again, in a very palpable way, he is in control. It really seems that way when you talk about, if we interviewed Esther, or if we interviewed Moses, or we interviewed Jesus, who is the Son of God, what did it feel like in those 40 days? And he would probably tell us, I was so knit together with the Father and the Spirit. Okay, So um, when we fast the Jesus way, we're, we're reminding ourselves of who's in control. Thirdly, when we fast the Jesus way, what we gain, and I don't know what that will be for any of us, including myself, but what we will gain is greater than anything we might have given up. It, it really has to be, or why would God ask us to do that, right? And let's remember when we fast as driven by a decision or whatever it happens to be in your life this is the hard part leave the results to God I'd like you to bow your heads as servers join me down front we're going we're gonna to have communion now it's a great way to start um, the summer new month Maybe even take and make more personal this message. Um, we're going to be led in a in a song with words from a great hymn from long, long ago. Jesus paid it all and if you're new to the church or to church worship times like this, can I tell you what's about to pass? the row that you're sitting, sitting in, if you're in the house, you at home have probably already reached for the bread and the cup. There are two pieces of a story. It's, this song is a statement song. Some songs are meant to say, stop and listen and take it in. Um, and it's a statement that everyone who has Jesus, I, I think, can relate to and talk about. Jesus paid it all paid what? Well, sin had left a mess in its wake in every human heart. And um, and I've never met an exception to that. And the the problem with that is you need a deep cleaning. And that's where Jesus said, "I, I got this. I will Actually give my life for you on a cross. And in doing so, if you will bow your knee and surrender to me and invite me to actually sit on the throne of your life, I'm gonna I'm gonna scrub you clean. Because the throne of your life isn't even clean, but I'll make it clean. And then we'll walk together. Isn't that an attractive picture? We'll we'll go places together.